to the Employer Blueprint Podcast, where we help leaders build great teams for great companies with your host, entrepreneur and leadership coach, Kyle Gorman. Picking up from where we left off last week, we're sitting here talking with Dr. Ken Keyes, who is a leading expert on personality and skills assessments, which has been uh, become a much bigger piece of the hiring process and even the team building process within many of our businesses. So um, this is part two as we finish up our conversation uh, from last week. If you have not listened to part one, I highly encourage you to do so. Um, just as a reminder, we, we went long in our conversation uh, because there was just some great information information uh, being presented. And so we didn't want to cut that short, but we also understand, you know, we like to keep this to about a 30 minute show. And so we wanted to respect your time as a listener. And uh, so we decided just to break this up a little bit. So um, to really understand the context of where we are going here, I would highly encourage you to make sure to listen to part one and then uh, check out this week as we kind of continue this conversation about the value and the benefits of using these personality and skills assessments and what it can mean for you and your team. As always, I want to encourage you to hit that subscribe button so that you get the latest content as we submit it every week. Also, if you have any questions or comments for us, we'd love to hear them. And you can reach us at podcast at employerblueprint.com. Thanks so much and have an amazing day. But once we've done the the needs assessment, we've kind of figured out what makes sense. Um, what do you really need uh, you know, to bring into your organization? How does the how does a personal style indicator help? Um, through the uh, the selection process. So, you know, we've kind of gone through the interviews and we've understood, do they have the aptitude? Is this person going to make sense for this? But how do we use this type of tool to help us uh, through that vetting process to make sure that we're identifying the right people in our in our organization? Well, there, there are three pieces that come together into one. And so, our first step that we do, what you talked about is analyzing the position, Kyle. We actually have a tool called the job style indicator, which is unique mm-hmm. and proprietary to us. So the owner, the business owner, or the person who is hiring, doesn't matter who it is, right. is going to complete this assessment on the position, not the person. So this is right. independent. So what does that role need from a style perspective? Now, we have a manager's job style indicator where you could actually have multiple people give their opinion. And this is fun, Kyle. Because you get three people filling out their opinion on who we need and nobody agries. So we're all in disagreement. Well, well, no wonder I can't hire the right person is that the three of us. Now, this is not bad. This is actually a very positive experience because now we have given you a system to document your opinion about what you believe we need in this role. Mm -hmm. And this is role specific job specific. And if we have these differences now, we create a conversation. So Kyle, why do you feel that way? Ken, why do you feel this way? Number two is then we do have the short list. We don't need to do it with everybody. You do all the standard sort of interview and this person's, you know, not a fit. So the personal style indicator is really a communication tool. It's not a tool we do to people. It's a tool we do with them. We're not trying to test you to exclude. We're trying to do an assessment to include. It's a very important distinction. And then from there, we have a third piece of software that we call the job style compatibility, which matches the nature of the job, which you've outlined, and the person, and it gives you a compatibility grid or rating Mm -hmm. from a match to an extreme mismatch. And we know if there's an extreme mismatch, you might be a great person, might be awesome, but the nature of the position and who you are is not sustainable. We know that. So we can include that in the conversation. We can talk about that and that the expectations of who you are and your natural predisposition in the nature of the work is just not congruent. Now, I could say, I like you, Kyle. 
where could we use you? Where could right. there be a fit? You know, if you're a quality person and you have core values, which fit for us and from a culture point of view, which are different measurements, we have, you know, 12 different tools. Then what I've done is I've just added a whole dynam- dynamic. Now, you know, the study from Gallup, right? 142 countries, 87% of employees are disengaged. Now, right. Canada and the U.S. are the highest at 29, but you have places like China and Japan and Singapore, which are like four, five, six percent. Mm-hmm. Well, it's horrid. You imagine 95% of the uh, the people in your company don't even like what they're doing. Yeah. And even almost a third or um, up to 50% are actively disengaged. Yeah. That means they're sabotaging everybody else at, at work. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you start using this tool and you start refining it, these tools, and it becomes just a, a contribution. I would just never, never, we would never hire anybody without doing it because it's an added component. Now, mm-hmm. all the other thing is we're not measuring IQ. We're not measuring interest. Right. We're not measuring right. their experience. So, you know, if they need to be a welder at your company, we're not measuring that at all. Yeah. You have to prove that they can do it. You know, they might be a job fit from a style, but all those other things that would be a standard protocol or a process in an interview process, then that needs to still be included. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not an exclusion. You're adding another dynamic yeah. A whole nother level of clarity. And it also is going to set up from an onboarding point of view, from a coaching point of view, from a leadership point of view, from you talked about, you know, team, high performance teams. Well, when team members know each other, then all of a sudden what was irritating them about each other and the dynamic of them is that we actually get people to read their in-depth interpretations, which our report uh, generates, of mm. each other's team members with permission. So I can start understanding what does Kyle need and want in, in, as an individual? Right. And then you read mine. What does Ken need and want as an individual? And we start to really deepen the self-awareness, but also this awareness of everybody else on the team, just to start to have some of the consciousness. Because if we don't do this, then it's the sin of omission. Then, then how would you possibly know what motivates me? You can't be in my head. Right. So part of this is that you know, we give people really a methodology to communicate self and understand others. Yeah. And and what I really like about that, and it was something actually that, you know, as in looking through a lot of the information you have out there, it was actually something that I had highlighted and you mentioned it here as well, is that this is <clears throat> this is not a tool to exclude, but rather it's a communication tool to include. And and that's that's exactly what, you know, I have people ask me about this all the time with these assessment tools that are out there. And of course, you know, there's hundreds of them, um, mm-hmm. different assessment tools. And we get asked about that a lot in the hiring process. Should we use assessment tools? Should those be used as a decision for hiring? And, um, you know, how should we do this? And, and that's the way that I usually put it is I think they're great in helping the leadership and the management to understand how you communicate with someone and how you, you can relate to someone and you can't do It'll take you years or to your point, you know, the, the, um, um, you know, the, the study that shows only 2% will even realize their potential without, without the self-awareness. Well, it's the same if we are trying to communicate with people on our team and we don't know who we are, we don't know who they are, um, really at the core, what their preferences are, then it could take years before we ever figure out how to Mm-hmm. properly communicate to them. Now, they may be able to mask it and it look like they're fine, but there's certain things that we say or ways that we say it that just they just aren't comfortable with. They, it kind of rubs them the wrong way. And by understanding these things, it gives us the opportunity as leaders to adequately 
communicate to the people on our team. And especially as a new employee comes in, if we can from day one, work with them, talk to them, communicate with them, provide the information, tools, and resources they need from the very beginning that, that, that resonates with them, we are mm. going to set them up on a platform to succeed long-term because we are, we're going ahead and we are, we are going on the offensive to protect against them becoming disengaged and dissatisfied from the get-go because we're, we're working with them in a way that actually resonates with them, that, that relates to them um, in a way that they appreciate. And so I love mm-hmm. that, that within the tools that you have set up, you push that, that mindset as well, that this is a, a communication tool. This gives you the ability and the knowledge to be able to lead better as opposed to say, oh, well, put an X on this person because they didn't have this one, you know, cognitive skill that we were looking for. Um, Mm -hmm. It helps you understand, well, here's an area that we may need to make sure we're focusing on as we bring this new employee in to the organization. Yeah, absolutely. And the other one is, is that, you know, when we think about development, we're all constantly developing. There's the whole person, there's all kinds of other factors, like we have a wellness assessment. So you and I could have the same personal style, one who didn't get sleep and it is grumpy and irritable today as a result of that. The other one is when you think about the personal style indicator, it takes people about 10 minutes to complete it Yeah. versus never really getting. So now you're creating sort of a cultural language. The organizations that have been the most successful with us is where they make that a cultural norm in um, understanding. Now, not from a derogatory point of view, but even our phraseology is behavioral action versus terminator or dominator. Mm-hmm. We want to respect behavior and motion versus personhood. So the most successful organization use it throughout the whole organization. Everybody takes the tool. Everybody understand it's from, you know, it's from the janitor to the CEO and mm-hmm. everybody in between. And because you don't need certification for our tools, then anybody can access it at any time. So parents are using it for their kids or, and then the other one is, is I remember doing, there's a large organization, I wouldn't even say who it is, but they had about, uh, 50,000 employees. And what they did is they sent a package home for all the executives, the senior executives for all their significant others to go through it. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is they knew that if their home life improved and their communications, mm-hmm. yeah. then their ability to perform at work would improve. Absolutely. And so we really go cross the board and says, so who, who uses your tool? I said, you're walking and breathing at 15 years of age. So, well, that's a pretty big target. And I said, well, that's human beings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're now in 12 languages and, you know, 30 plus countries mm-hmm. because there's, it doesn't matter where you're from. If you're from China or from the U.S. or you're from the U.K. or, or France, it still applies. Right. Is every single person on the planet because it's based on biology. And then we have all the other factors that contribute to bipersonhood, which we honor in our model. Most others don't. Mm-hmm. But we say, hey, we're not trying to trap you. We're just trying to develop you. Right, right. Let's talk for just a minute. Let, let's kind of dive into uh, just a little bit of information to help people understand, um, you know, what the these personal style indicators uh, mean and kind of what they're looking at. So, um, it, it breaks into four categories. We look at behavioral, cognitive, interpersonal, and affective. Um, you want to give us kind of a brief overview of what those mean and why it's important for us to understand those things? Okay, so first of all, you know, most many of the other tools have what they call 16 types or 16 patterns. Right. We have 21 patterns. The additional five represent 30% of the population that are, aren't even acknowledged. So 90% of the population is a blend of all of these four, we call them dimensions. Mm-hmm. So behavioral action is they are extroverted in our model, meaning they want to tell the environment what to do. They're task oriented and they're people, or not people, but they, 
they are nonverbal. So in our model, when we say nonverbal, that means that they don't have a lot of language. So you might ask them a question. How are you doing, Ken? Fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. It doesn't mean that they're not outspoken and they're goal-oriented, they're directed towards the task and people's feelings are really secondary in their framework, right? Right. The affective expressive one, which is the stereotypical definition of an extrovert, but they're extroverted in our model, people-oriented and verbal. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to influence others verbally towards their agenda. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks these are the most people-oriented individuals. No, no, they're, they tend to be self-centered to an item that they want you to buy into, Kyle. Right. So they say, so they're not the number one people oriented in our model. They are ideas and their concepts and their agendas first. Mm-hmm. Cognitive analysis, which is analytical systems, processes, structure, they, they have the gift to see what's not there. So there's a hundred words in an essay, and 99 right, one wrong. They see the deficiencies. They just have that gift. And that's because they're introverted. Their radar dish is bigger, but they're verbal task-oriented, introverted. Well, that messes with people. Nobody else teaches this. Hmm. That means they're outspoken. They'll have lots of detail, lots of information. Remember, verbalness is the amount of language. Now, the challenge for C's is they don't necessarily act on it because they don't want to make the wrong decision. Mm -hmm. And then the interpersonal harmony individual, they are nonverbal, people-oriented, introverted. So, in this group, their primary motivation is in the service and deference towards others and helping others. And they gladly do it. Now, what happens with them sometimes is that they don't stand up for themselves. So they want to say no and they say yes. And so learning assertiveness. Now, the other side is because they internalize conflict because they don't like it, they avoid it. They can actually get sick quite easily. Hmm. And what I mean by that is because they have internalized that conflict has actually made them ill Hmm. Uh, and they're nonverbal. So sometimes they're taken for granted. So all of these four come together to create your reality. We actually have a a model which is unique to us and how we put it together. People say, what theory do you have? Well, we actually built it on a multi-theory base, which most other people haven't. These four then combine to 21 different patterns. Mm -hmm. And what's unique with our our PSI or CRG as well is that we will give you uh, more than one pattern depending on the score distribution. You could have mm-hmm. to get up to three reports from us. So again, we're not trying to tell you who you are. We say you get to tell the instrument who you are, but if you have tight scores, other ones will say you're, you're E or you're I, meaning you're introverted or extroverted. Right. Many people are actually, quite frankly, balanced. And so we give permission for people to have this dynamic. Now, let's say I'm very behavioral. I'm the highest score. You and I, Kyle, are behavioral action, and that's our highest score. Mm-hmm. My next highest score is affective expressive, but your next highest score is cognitive analysis. Even though both of us have the identical highest score, the next score influenced me and we're completely different people. Mm-hmm. So this idea of, you know, identifying you as a single letter or a single, like a dog or a cat or an aisle mm-hmm. or a lion or whatever is misrepresentative of the fact that 90% plus of us are blends. Yeah. And so this, it is sophisticated. I remember I just did this workshop for this group and people says, well, I've got this conflict. I'm people oriented and task. And I said, well, is that true for you? I says, yes, it is. So, so we're identifying that your task and people is situational or contextual. Mm-hmm. So in some cases you're focusing and get it done. You don't want to be bothered. In other cases you, you enjoy being around some people. Now you're not high or low, you're balanced in that. And then there are other people that are very people oriented and they never get anything done, Kyle, because they're always networking. So, and then there's other people that are really task oriented. I remember we were doing all the work uh, for Chrysler and, you know, one of this guys says, you know, my job would be great if it worked for people. 
<laughs> and he was the service manager in this dealership. And we discovered he was a technician that had been promoted. Right. Oh, in yeah. Level of disinterest. And a lot of times, for those of you that are listening, a lot of times society thinks that to be fulfilled and to be on purpose is that I need to be upwardly mobile. Mm-hmm. And that ambition should be in that direction. We say no. A lot of cases, you need to say no to that promotion. That's the last thing you want to do right. because you're going to be promoted into a place that's a disinterest. So here's this service manager who loves cars and being a technician. And now he's got it. What's his number one job? Managing people, customers, clients, technicians, service advisors, warranty clerks, parts department, all of that. It's all people oriented. Mm-hmm. And no wonder he was miserable. I remember another individual who, it was actually a ministry, and this guy said, my most miserable years of my life is when I was a senior pastor. I said, why is that? He said, I hate it. He said, I now, I'm really a great supporter. I'm assistant. I'm an executive assistant to the president now. And he mm-hmm. said, I love it, but I hated being in charge and being the senior leader. Yeah. And he says, not who I am. And I think, you know, part of what we're trying to teach in this podcast in this short moment is to that there's no style that's better than another and right. that you you have the style in for you perfectly to apply to the roles and responsibilities that are made for you. Now, I, I mean, I have a bias around that, but the thing is, is that you don't try to be somebody else. Now, we need to manage self because a lot of times our greatest strength can also become our greatest uh, weakness. Mm-hmm. So if I'm driven and I'm and, and I'm goal oriented, and then I do that at the expense of relationships and people, well, that's not good. Mm-hmm. If I'm cognitive analysis and detailed oriented, and it freezes me and I never make a decision, well, that's not good either. Right. And then the other side is is that my style is not an excuse for my behavior. Mm-hmm. So when we started this whole show about self awareness, is that self awareness leads into self management, which then leads into self mastery. So not only do I know myself, but I'm in charge of self. Yeah. Um, one of the things we teach is, and we don't have time today, but it was really around suspending or people get easily offended, right? Mm-hmm. For different reasons, all kinds right. of different reasons. As soon as I get hooked, as soon as I get upset, then I'm no longer functioning in a reasonable manner. I mean, what is the most dangerous place for police officers to go into? Domestic disputes. People get killed, shot because right. they're ramped up. And so there was research showed that if I go over 100 beats per minute, Kyle, non-athletic for whatever reason, mm-hmm. I no longer function in, in a reasonable state. Mm-hmm. I will do and say things I regret. So we all know that when we got upset, road rage, sidewalk rage, whatever it is, right. I did things that I would never do if I was calm. And so part of managing our style is different things upset different people who are listening. I need to suspend or manage self and nobody offends you unless you let them. So offense is a practice thing. I'm not saying that what you did, Kyle, was okay. That was even, you know, safe for us in our company, but me getting hooked and me getting angry uh, internally or externally is a choice. Always a choice. It's the most difficult thing as human beings to do because <laughs> we're yeah. inherently self-centered yeah. and it's not an easy step, but uh, we do teach that and said, Hey, listen, can I manage self and not get hooked? Mm-hmm. And that's when we think about leadership and working with others is that all of us get hooked for different reasons. Can I uh, know who you are? Can I stay neutral? And can I then serve you? It's the opposite of being self-centered. Mm-hmm. And I not change who I am, but adjust my approach because your relationship matters. It says, Kyle, what do you need from me hmm. right now so that I can build a relationship? And as the credibility goes up, then their willingness to be flexible with my style also increases. One of the other things that I want to touch on within this, one of the tools that you have is a, um, is a job style compatibility. And 
of course you break down these four areas and you, you know, you, 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 you know, as people take the assessment and they get that information, you're able to match that up to a job. So as we had talked about earlier, you can kind of do a needs assessment, make sure that we're looking at the right things, making sure that you're looking, you know, for the right type of person. Um, and then you've gone out, you've gone through the interviews and you've done some due diligence on this. And so you get to two or three candidates that you think are, um, you know, are, are the potential candidates for your position. This this uh, this job style compatibility, one of the things that it does is it provides an, an executive summary that just gives you an idea of how well they match to the um, uh, the job style indicator that you had created to say for this job, this is the kind of person that, that we need. These are the types of skills that they're going to need to have, the cognitive skills, the behavioral skills. And so then we create this, um, uh, this graph that gives us kind of a match and, and where they fit into that. How do we use that? What do we do whenever we look at this? And let's say we've got one person that is, is, a, uh, is a match and we've got another one that's a slight match um, and another one that's a mismatch. But our slight match is the one that we really, really liked and just felt like was going to fit in here. Um, mm-hmm. How do we take this information? How do we discern that? And what do we do with it once we have it in front of us? Well, the report actually generates sort of a full page for an interview purposes. Mm-hmm. And we say, here's the nature of the work. So, you know, I might model this at Kyle, you know, welcome to the interview. You read your report. Uh, we have this here when we talk about the nature of the position. Mm-hmm. And then what we do is we talk about where there's a match, but we also talk about where there's a mismatch. And I might say, Kyle, I know that you don't have a lot of sort of cognitive analysis in your profile. This job has a lot of data entry, a lot of reporting, a lot of auditing responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Uh, How do you feel about that? Where in your past have you been able to show that flexibility? So part of this, Kyle, is really this, again, this conversation, this discovery. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I might really like you as an individual who could fit and has the right energy for the company, but it's still not the right job or it's, excuse me, if it's the right job, maybe there's some roles and responsibilities that needed to be shifted or decreased Mm-hmm. So there's a longer term fit. And then there could be there's where there's this extreme mismatch and said, well, you know, you're going to be at the end of it when you have a conversation, most of them will say, yeah, I'll be pretty miserable mm-hmm. uh, by the end of that. And they will dehire themselves and said, I see that there's not a, a fit here. However, do you see that there are other opportunities that are coming up in the future where I might be a better fit? Yeah. So we, we, you know, I've interviewed people on my podcast, The Secrets of Success, and a, a couple of them was around getting A players. Well, we want to get, it, we want to create our, what you want to call it, our, our short list or our Rolodex of people mm-hmm. that we know. So yeah. applicants who don't fit doesn't mean they don't fit forever. Right. Uh, is, are there other opportunities now? Of course, depending on your size of your company, you know, if you have three employees, then the likelihood will be less than if you have 30, but sure. that's, and then maybe you have friends and you want to refer them to somebody else. And that will be a reciprocal situation where Kyle, I just interviewed Ken. He wasn't really a fit for our job, but I know that you're looking for this. And if we can get that, I mean, according to the U S labor department, only 5% of jobs are fulfilled through job postings like monster or whatever, or indeed, well, that means 95% are referral, repeat, connections, mm-hmm. references. Uh, so, uh, hey, this person then can become part of a referral. Now, there are other people you interview. There's not a match. And guess what? You would never refer them to anybody else's, Kyle. <laughs> Don't hire Ken. That yeah. is not somebody that that is really high on the character list, right? Yeah. And so, we all bring those biases. You, you know the research. You're a recruiter. Oh, yeah. Most yeah. 
go make a decision about somebody within 15 to 20 seconds or maybe even less. And then we try to sort of rationalize that for the next uh, 30 minutes in the interview. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I I heavily encourage uh, people out there, if you're in a decision-making space in your business, I heavily encourage you to be willing to be flexible with a position when you find that candidate, especially that you say, gosh, they're really good. They're going to be a great fit. They complement the other people in our business. They, um, they're going to bring a lot to us, but maybe there's one aspect as you're looking at this, this personal style, you know, you know, to, to Ken's point here that, um, maybe some of the, the data analytics, you know, and yeah, that's, that's part of the job. Um, but it's a minor part of the job. I heavily encourage people to be flexible with those types of things to say, do we have someone else in the organization that, would be, you know, that is good at the data analytics that we could offset this to them and pull some of their responsibilities into this other person. So, so that you're not just blanket, blanketly losing out on a potentially great candidate because of one aspect of the job. And so, um, I've seen that happen too often. And I really encourage people to be flexible with that as opposed to saying the worst words ever in business, because that's the way we've always done it. Um, to make mm-hmm. that decision to say, well, we, you know, the reason this job does it is because that's the way we've always done it. Well, business has evolved. Things have changed. The personalities in the business may have changed. Mm-hmm. So maybe it makes sense for someone else to take on that task. Let this person take on a different task um, because of how well they're going to fit in the organization and so many other areas. So I think it is really good. And even with people that we have in our organization, if they fit well with who we are, but maybe they just don't do well in this job. Um, I think it's very important to look at what are some other areas in our company that they could be successful and, um, and find those opportunities when, when the company size and you know, when there's a business need for it. Well, you mentioned about high performance teams. So, you know, the tool isn't just used for hiring. I mean, I, my mm-hmm. workshop I just did with this company was with the current team yeah. and just getting to know each other. And one of the individuals there, one of the owners said, oh, I just had no idea about how powerful this would be and why, and I'm looking at my senior team and all four of us are completely different. And what does that mean in terms of how I interact with them and how that just the implications of that or the downstream effect. So for us, I mean, high performance teams, really, uh, this is a foundational piece mm-hmm. uh, for the, any kind of development or uh, high performance from a leader to individuals to teams. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Well, Ken, this is some great information. I really, really appreciate it and all the work that you've done over the years um, to help put so many of these resources together. Uh, how can we learn more about um, the tools that you have out there and, uh, and find your book and books and the information that you have? How can we learn more about you and what you're doing? <clears throat> Well, first of all, we're going to give a gift to everybody listening because being on Kyle's uh, audience list, that's awesome. So we're going to have a gift on my speaker site, which is Ken Key, spelled K-E-N-K-E-I-S dot com slash blueprint. I don't know where we got that, Kyle, but uh, that kind of fits it. Yeah. And uh, you'll be there's a free gift there for you. It's one of my other books. And so just go there and be able to download that immediately. Um, Number two is where all our assessments live and where you can find out about them is CRG leader, L E A D E R.com. And so 
again, we have about 4 million words of content, but we have 12 core assessments, you know, wellness, values, self-worth, learning styles, leadership skills versus leadership style. Mm -hmm. So we also have that uh, component in all these different uh, tools that work together as a congruent system to develop the whole person. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Ken, thank you so much. And we will put a link uh, in the show notes that uh, for those that want to go out and, and check out that free uh, gift that he's offering us, which is uh, very generous of you, Ken. We appreciate that. Um, uh, again, thank you so much for your time. And uh, we look forward to seeing how you're able to, uh, to continue to impact these businesses and continue to impact uh, just the lives of, of people out there as they better understand themselves and better understand those around them. And well, thank you for having me on the show and thank you for your work you're doing with your podcast and all the listeners who spent their time with us today. Thanks for joining us on the Employer Blueprint Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show to receive the latest episodes. For more information on how Employer Blueprint can help build great teams in your business, visit employerblueprint.com. Or to inquire about Kyle speaking at your next event, visit kylegorman.com. And until next time, make it a great day.